Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Great. Okay. Awesome. We're going to be starting a new series today, and we're calling it Coming to Your House. Can we throw up the logo there? Do we have that? Coming to your house. Everyone say that with me. Coming to your house. This is the perfect time of year to do series like this because Thanksgiving is less than a month away. Can you believe it? It is nuts. So Thanksgiving is one month away, and uh, this is a perfect series to talk about stuff like this. Now, we're not talking necessarily about how to be a good host, but we are talking about Jesus' heart for humanity in this series. It kind of blends all perfectly together with a lot of themes that we talk about in the fall and in November. Now, our desire in the series is a lot of times we tell people why you would want a relationship with Jesus, of why you should want to draw close to him. And in this series, we're here to tell you why he wants you, not just why you should want him, but why he desires a relationship with you. Our theme verse for the series comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20. And so this is Jesus speaking here at the end of the Bible. And let's read this out loud all together. Ready? Go. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Great job. If I were you, I would try to memorize this over the next month. There's something that happens differently in the human soul when, when you're reading scripture every single day and when you memorize scripture. Just God does a different thing with it when you hide it and bury it deep in your heart. It's a really good thing to try to practice and do for a spiritual discipline. All right, so here's where we're going to be going in this series and where we're going for today. We're talking about one Bible character. In fact, we're going to be looking at one passage of scripture over the next four weeks. Now, this character in the Bible, there's only 10 verses about him in the entire Bible. And we're going to spend four weeks on this one person because we think it's important enough. I mean, if you've been coming to church for any length of time, especially if you grew up in church, you know the person who I'm about to talk about. We're going to talk about a guy named Zacchaeus. Everyone say Zacchaeus. So um, many people, so not everybody in our church grew up at church. In fact, our church is built for people who have never really been to church before. So a lot of people who are here, who are streaming online, this is your first time in church or your first time in a really long time coming to church. But if you happen to grow up in church, you've heard about Zacchaeus. You probably heard about him through a song first. Let's see who could finish this with me. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. See, y'all know my job is done. I'm just going to sit down for the rest of today. So for those of you who don't know the song, that was Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. We're going to talk about that later today. I first learned about Zacchaeus for when I was growing up in church, um, and through the groundbreaking Christian technology of flannel graph. (laughs) Who here grew up with flannel graph? Yeah, all right. For those of you who who did not have the joy of experiencing flannel graph, this is where some teacher in a children's ministry or Sunday school would have a piece of flannel, and they had Bible characters all made out of flannel. When you stick flannel to flannel, it sticks, and they would tell stories all like this. This is how I learned about Zacchaeus. With this groundbreaking technology before all of us had a supercomputer in our pocket, right? Do you all remember the old days 
when TVs were huge 300-pound boxes that fell would break your leg, back in the day when a phone could only make telephone calls. Do you remember the old world? Back in the day when if you had a question about something, you had to look it up in an encyclopedia. Anybody under 25, not Wikipedia, encyclopedia. Very different, very, very different. So I learned about Zacchaeus through flannel graph and children's nursery rhymes and all this stuff. But here's what we want to do in this series for all of you today, is we want to help Zacchaeus grow up for you. Because Zacchaeus is not just a story about a wee little man in a tree for kids. The story of Zacchaeus is actually relevant to every single person here today and incredibly relevant. It's not just his story. It's your story, and it's my story. And we're here to grow up Zacchaeus and grow up our faith a little bit today. So um, our passage that we're going to be looking at for today is actually what we're going to look at every single week over the next four weeks. And we're just going to dissect this piece by piece as we explore Jesus' heart for humanity. So this is Luke chapter 19. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. And uh, before I begin, I'll be remiss. We've been doing this past couple of weeks. Oh, something we're trying lately to do is to have people, if you're able, to stand in honor of reading of God's word. So if you're able, would you please stand? And as Pastor Dale has been doing this, um, I stand up and I hold my wife's hand when we're in church together in service. And I feel like that something special and unique is happening. I feel like I'm paying more attention when I'm standing to read. I'm not as distracted. And I feel like I've said this two weeks ago. That when I read the Bible and we all stand and we read it together, it's not us reading it, it's it reading us. Make sense? Yeah, in some mysterious way, I feel that. So let's have the Bible read us now. So this is Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. You guys don't have to read it with me, it's okay. I'm like, is there an echo in here? All right, so you can if you want, but you don't have to. But anyway, so I'm just going to read. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector who was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree, sycamore fig tree, to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, your word says and your disciples said about you um, that you are light and in you is no darkness at all. I love that about you. So would you shine your light um, on us now here in this room and online and if anybody who might be watching this later, shine your light on us so that we would feel your presence, we would hear your voice and your word, we would be drawn closer to you, 
We have our eyes opened to the amazing things you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Okay, so uh, if you're new to Community of Hope, one thing that we like to do a lot is um, talk about a little bit of contextualizing passages that we read. So this comes from the Gospel of Luke of what we just read. And I shared a couple weeks ago that um, Luke wasn't one of the 12 apostles. He became a follower of Jesus later on. And uh, Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. And he was commissioned by a man named Theophilus to write about the life and ministry of Jesus and the beginning of the movement of the church. And so his vo- the volume one of Luke's investigative work is the Gospel of Luke. Volume two is the book of Acts. And so we find ourselves here. Now, a lot of our background work that I want to do right now is not just to talk about um, Luke, but I want to talk about Zacchaeus and who this person was. Who is Zacchaeus. Who was he? There's not a whole lot we know about him. Like I said, there's only 10 verses about him in the entire Bible. So who is this guy? Well, Pastor Dale and I have a really dear friend in our church um, who's an older man, just a really wise, seasoned follower of Jesus. And let me tell you a little bit about this guy. Um, We, in meeting with him, just being friends with him, Dale asked him to do a little bit of background work about Zacchaeus. And it's not because he's necessarily a New Testament Bible scholar. This guy, who's a friend in our church, is a retired New York police officer, all right? And now the department that he worked at in New York, in the police department, was in public corruption, which meant he was an investigator for internal affairs, political corruption, and organized crime. Does anybody want that job in New York City? No, no. This guy is a highly trained investigator, Um, who actually was even sent by the police department in New York. He went to Quantico to the FBI Academy to learn how to profile people. This guy knows what's up, and I'm glad he's my friend, okay? And, um, and so Pastor Dale and, uh, and him get coffee often, and I get coffee with him often. We're in a small group together, and he's just a dear friend and just a saint in our congregation. And Dale asked him, hey, instead of us talking about sermons after the fact, why don't you do some work on this series we're going to be doing about Zacchaeus? And he came back with... 10 pages of stuff for us going, listen, the Holy Spirit's been doing a real number on me um, because I approached you asking me to do this like I was profiling a case back when I was an officer and an investigator. Let me tell you what my friend said. He said this, I approached this investigation of Zacchaeus like I would approach any of the investigations I did in the past. I did my research on him. I gathered facts about him from the Bible and other sources. I compiled similar related incidents. I observed his patterns and possible inclinations because actions speak louder than words. I explored his physical, possible mental condition and relationship to his life and events, and I evaluated circumstantial evidence. <laughs> hello. Hello. So um, in this first week of the series, I'm going to give you this much of what my friend shared that blew my mind, Okay. So we're still just talking about who is Zacchaeus before we can get to the passage. So first up, Zacchaeus, this isn't necessarily going to pop on the screen, but if you're taking notes, write along, take some of these notes down. First up, obviously, Zacchaeus was short. It says in the passage, I know, (laughs) Pastor Trevor, you're deep. Okay, just wait, just wait. (laughs) He was was short. Now, that seems like an obvious thing, but there's actually a lot more to it. Um, My friend noted that the Bible almost never talks about people's physical characteristics. Almost never. Unless there's something extreme or unique. Like the Bible talks about people who are extremely tall, like Goliath. 
The Bible will talk about people who are extremely overweight. The Bible will talk about people who are extremely strong. And the Bible talked about someone who's extremely short. Now, as we did our research of what my friend noted here, and I went and checked it too, and scholars say this, many biblical scholars wonder if Zacchaeus could have actually been a little person in the Bible. Now, I did my research this week, and I was very careful to use the correct terminology because I don't want to offend anybody. I even went to the Little People of America Association, and did you know that October is Dwarfism Awareness Month in our country? No idea. No idea. So this is all perfect. On one of the last two days of October, we're talking about this. Zacchaeus very well may have been a little person who is suffering from what's called dwarfism. Oh, not yet, not yet, not yet. Go back, go back. Not yet. There we go. Just put up Zacchaeus. So he was short. Now, if it's true, now this, it doesn't necessarily spell this out specifically if he was a little person in the Bible, but if he was, it had all sorts of other implications for it. If he was a little person, Zacchaeus would have been excluded from all sorts of things in the life of the Jewish community because of Leviticus 21, he would have been excluded from the priesthood, he wouldn't have been allowed in the temple, he would have been excluded from all religious activity. And if he was so short that he couldn't see over people, back in the ancient world, they were not good with people who were different or maybe people who had disabilities. They were not a kind and accepting type of culture like we are aspiring to be in our culture. Life was not easy for him. He was short. And because he was short, and maybe potentially because he was a little person, he was an outcast on the outskirts of community, on the outskirts of religion, on the outskirts of relationship. In the ancient world, if there was anything wrong with somebody physically when they were born, the broader culture in ancient Israelite world assumed it was because somebody in your family sinned. And you are the punishment of it. Now, Jesus came to correct that. He said, that's not true. Jesus corrected that. But still, he was told he was a mistake his entire life. So he was short He was an outcast. He felt like a mistake. He probably formed what um, spiritual authors and writers call a false self, which a false self is something that you begin to believe about yourself because of a wounding that you have, because of some difficult experience that you had growing up. You begin to believe something that's not true about yourself, and then you begin to project this image towards others. So my friend, who's a trained profiler, said that Zacchaeus probably because he was short, probably because he was an outcast, probably because he was on the outside looking in. Nope, go back, not yet. (laughs) Not yet. Because Zacchaeus, they're really on it. You're doing great. I will tell you when. Thank you so much. You're really paying attention. For real, thank you. I'm I'm faking them out every single time. I'm juking them. (laughs) So sorry, Jules. Okay, Um, where was I? I remember, okay. Um, My profiler friend said that because of all these things, his false self that he had, he was probably a person who suffered what we now call Napoleon complex, which is um, something that men who, um, who are shorter overcompensate for their lack of height with domineering and aggressive behavior towards others. They have to prove that they're worth something. This is their false self. Because they believed a lie about themselves and about their value and about their worth based on their physical status and attributes. So because he had a Napoleon complex, he was probably domineering and aggressive and overcompensating with his mental abilities, his math abilities, his business abilities. Because he couldn't do physical labor, he couldn't be a construction worker, he couldn't be a farmer, he couldn't pick grapes off vines, he couldn't do all sorts of other stuff. So he would develop his mind. And in developing his mind, he developed a certain level of skill sets. He's trying to overcompensate for all these things, for always being rejected. 
And then here comes the main observation that my friend shared with me over a table at Butterfields this week that floored me. This is what my profiler friend had to say. Now we're going to show it. Zacchaeus, because of all these things, probably gave up on being accepted. What else explains why a, a first century Jewish person would willingly become a tax collector for the occupying oppressive Roman regime? The only explanation is because of his, his height, because of him being on the outside, because of him trying to overcompensate, he'd probably given up on being accepted in his community. And when people lose hope and they give up, they always turn to destructive choices that are self-destructive for themselves and destructive for their community. And so he became not just a tax collector, which in that day and age was like being Benedict Arnold. He was considered a traitor. And not only a traitor, but the chief of traitors because he's the chief tax collector. Do you see that? Have you ever felt that way before? When you lose hope in a situation and since there's no hope, then you just kind of want to give up and you've made choices that were really destructive for yourself or for others. I think that's something that a lot of us can really relate to. He gave up being accepted. And then in the story, all of a sudden, Jesus of Nazareth decides to go through Jericho and come to the rescue of poor Zacchaeus. Now, what I told you at the beginning is what I'm trying to tell you now, and this is definitely true. Zacchaeus is not just his story, it's my story, and it's your story. It's the story of how Jesus pursues a human heart. This is how Jesus pursues people. In fact, a great theological term for this, of how Jesus pursues people before they become followers of him, John Wesley called it prevenient grace. And John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist revival that swept the Western world in the first great awakening. And prevenient grace, which prevenient is kind of an antiquated word. We don't use that word anymore. Here's what prevenient means. It means to prepare, like preparing grace, preparatory grace, the grace that prepares us. Prevenient grace is the grace that comes before we follow Jesus. This isn't the grace that saves us. This is the grace of Jesus that chases us, that comes after us, that pursues us, trying to win us over to friendship with him and following him. And this story of Zacchaeus, the very beginning, is a beautiful snapshot of how Jesus has come to pursue Zacchaeus Me and you. So let's talk about this. So how did Jesus do this? Well, we just see a few simple ways in the story. First off, Jesus got Zacchaeus' attention. This is how he first moves in prevenient grace in people's life. He got Zacchaeus' attention. Let's go back to 19, 1 through 4. So Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector. He was wealthy. Great. Next verse. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he had heard about Jesus. He had heard about him. He'd never seen him before. He had heard about him. Maybe heard about his miracles. Maybe about his healings. Maybe he had heard that Jesus was a coming king and his business model was about to be oh, turned upside down. We don't know. He had heard about him and was interested in him. So he climbed up in a tree to get a picture of what was going on. He was interested 
in Jesus. The mission of our church is to first interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ. This is what he does with people. Now, God's grace works, um, can work instantaneously in someone's life. Like, all this, there's nothing going on. They're not interested in Jesus at all. And then like a light switch, boom, everything changes. And all of a sudden, they're interested in him. But God's grace also works gradually. Now, in my experience, the majority of people, instead of like a light switch coming on, most people in their relationship with Jesus are more like a dimmer switch where the light gradually comes on. Where I think as a pastor, most people come to faith in Jesus by degree. At first, they're completely uninterested in him. And then there be, something happens to become a little bit more. Well, that's interesting. That church is flinging pumpkins. I mean, I'll come to that. Man, they're really nice. They give out free coffee. I feel different when I'm on the property here. I'm going to check out their website. Maybe see this thing online. And maybe a friend told me about this. You go, you go there, man. I was just there. And step by step by step, people become interested. It's a gradual dimmer switch where their interest in him grows over time. Again, some people, it's like overnight, but that's the minority. Most people, it's a dimmer switch and it happens gradually. Now, most of the time, Jesus does this through people's um, circumstances in life. He'll do this through change you might be experiencing in life. If somebody moves to a new location, they get married, they have a kid, they start a new job, some sort of change or transition, or through pain. Now, God is not the author of pain. Everyone hear me right here? I do not believe God is the author of pain. But God will work redemptively in your pain to help get your attention, that he's there trying to reach out and help. Make sense? Okay, so Jesus got Zacchaeus' attention. That's first. Then, check this out. Zacchaeus, or Jesus then calls Zacchaeus' name. He not only just generally got his attention. Who's this Jesus guy? Oh, I see him there. He is, and that's it. No, Jesus noticed. Go back to verse 5, 19.5. When Jesus reached out, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus. No, this is fascinating because he's just passing through. And if you're just passing through a city, do you know who the chief tax person is in whatever city you drive through? No. It's because Jesus is Jesus and he knows him by name because he knew him before he was born. And he called, hey, and not, hey, you, said Zacchaeus, because Jesus knows this. Your name is the most important word in the English language for you or in any language. And your name is the most valuable possession that you have, is it not? And Jesus knows this. So it's not, hey, you, it's Zacchaeus. Or your name. Here's what I mean by that in real life. Um, I tell stories about my mom and dad all the time. I love my mom and dad. Y'all, my mom and dad are in Israel right now. Isn't that cool? Here's a picture of my folks. I think this is Jericho. Look at them with their traveler hats. Aren't they cute? Yeah. Mom and dad, if you're streaming sometime, it's probably the middle of the night right now. If you're streaming right now, um, we love you. Welcome to Community of Hope Jerusalem right now. We're glad that you're streaming with us. And um, so they are checking out Jerusalem. They're on a trip with people from their home church over in Tampa. And so it's just beautiful. Now check this out. They got to go to the Jordan River and, um, and do baptisms in the Jordan River, y'all. So here's a picture of my dad and my, his best friend, my pastor of my church growing up, baptizing my mom in the Jordan River. Isn't that awesome? There's her and there's her coming out of it, having Jesus' hands up. My mom would be like, please don't show that picture. So... So that's awesome. All right, go ahead and tell you. I want to tell a story about my mom. You know how my mom came to faith in Jesus? She grew up in a very devout religious home. 
super dedicated to church. My grandmother was a saint, guys. And my mom heard her whole life growing up at church that Jesus died for the sins of the world. And then when my mom went to college, I mean, she believed that and did church and was a moral person and did all these things. But when she went to college, she went to campus ministry that told her she had never heard this before in her entire life. And they told her, Jesus not only died for the sins of the world, he died for you. And Jesus called her name. Not literally, but it went from this, uh, this general thing to something that all of a sudden became very specific and very personal. This is how Jesus' grace is moving and has moved in your life. You get generally interested, and then all of a sudden, it starts to feel really oddly specific and personal. That's Jesus calling your name. It's like Moses. When he saw the burning bush, if you remember that story, he saw a burning bush. It wasn't like, God is in the burning bush. I must see it. It wasn't like that. Oh, that's weird. A bush is on fire. I'm going to go check it out. And when God, the scripture says, when the Lord saw that he got Moses's attention, like it worked. And then he called from the bush, Moses. He called his name. This is what Jesus does. He'll move from general to specific and personal. So Jesus called Zacchaeus his name. What did Jesus do next? Well, then Jesus called Zacchaeus to come a little bit closer. Go back to five. So Jesus reached the spot. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. He told him to just come a little bit closer. So once Jesus gets our attention and he begins to call to us specifically and personally through these circumstances and situations, begins to pull us closer to him, what Jesus will then do is now then he'll say, and if you're interested, come take a step closer to me. He always makes the first move. But he's not going to go up to the sycamore tree and shake you and me and Zacchaeus out of the tree. He says, if you want me, you could come down from the tree. If you're interested, just take another step closer. James 4.8 says this. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. I had a, another friend of mine um, who's a pastor now. Um, but before he was a pastor, before he was a Christ follower, he was at college at UCF. And he quickly discovered that he was an alcoholic. And um, he genetically had that disposition and got involved in the party life and the fraternity scene at UCF and realized, I have an addiction already at 20 years old. And um, he had family members who were involved in faith and somebody had given him a Bible and it was the type of Bible that sat on a bookshelf but was never open. It had dust covered on it. It was just sitting there. We all know what we're talking about. Yeah. And... Um, and he decided, like, I think I need help, and I don't know where to turn. Maybe I'll turn to the Bible. And he went and grabbed the Bible and opened it up and saw the table of contents that there was an Old Testament and a New Testament, and went, well, new is better than old, so maybe I'll start there. And went to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, and started to read about Jesus one chapter at a time. And he was in his frat room taking a step closer to God because in his circumstances and in his pain, he was realizing that he needed God. It's grace. And then he took a step closer and began to read one chapter of the New Testament at night with a big mug of beer before he got sober. And uh, his frat brothers would walk by and be confounded. They'd go, hey, what are you doing? You're reading the Bible, drinking beer. I'm just going to keep walking by. I don't know what to do with that. But he took a step closer. 
So even if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, what he is doing is wants to speak to you specifically and personally, and then he's going to, and why don't you take one more step this way? See how it's by degree? And then what did Jesus do lastly? Well, Jesus invited Zacchaeus to be his friend. Of course he did. Five and six. So he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Five and six, there we go. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. This is where we're getting the series from. Coming to your house. And this is Jesus. Now, on face value, it looks really rude of Jesus, doesn't it? Like, Zacchaeus, you're going to feed me. <laughs> I teach my kids not to invite themselves over to their friends' houses right now. Like, Mary and Joseph, what did you do? He has terrible manners. That's not what's happening here. This is Jesus actually an invitation into friendship because in the ancient world and even today, if you share a meal with somebody, if you go to somebody's house and sit at a table and share food and fellowship together, that's a sign of friendship in every human culture ever. To be at a table together is a sign of friendship. And so eventually what Jesus and his grace does with each and every single person is he'll get your attention. And then once he has your attention, he'll call to you specifically in it. And then he'll beckon you to take one step closer to him. And then eventually come a point where he'll go, I want you to actually be my friend. And this is why we have Revelation 3.20 as our theme verse. Jesus is saying this not only to Zacchaeus, but to you and to me. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is inviting us into friendship. He's knocking at the door of your heart and my heart to be in relationship with him. So here's what we're doing today. I want you to know something. I want you to do something. I want you to practice something. What do I want you to know? I want you to know how Jesus pursues human hearts. We've already talked about that. What I want you to do, I want you, with the information that you now have, to reflect on and recognize how God has already and is moving in your life. If you're already a Christ follower here in the room or online, this is something he already did. This is already part of your story, whether you've reflected on it or not. And if you're still navigating faith, you're trying to check out faith, you're not sure about Christianity or sure about our church, Let me tell you, this is what Jesus is doing right now in your life. He did it for Zacchaeus, and he's doing it for you. What I want you to do, recognize God's activity in your life. And here's what I want you to practice, okay? We're trying something new in this series. Each series, we're going to brand this. We're going to try to teach people to do one practice in each sermon series because your faith muscles need to be exercised by practice to grow, It's not enough to just come to church and agree with me and Pastor Dale and whoever else is up here communicating. You need to go do something with it. So here's the faith practice we want you to try. Across this series, we're only telling you to practice one thing. We want you to practice hospitality. If we're recognizing how we can be hospitable to Jesus, who's knocking on the door of our hearts, and he wants to come to our house and to welcome him, maybe we could practice that in the real world by being hospitable to other people. So here's what we want you to do. Try for just a beginner thing. One time over the next month, show hospitality to somebody. That's easy. You don't have to do it in your home. Anywhere where you can help make somebody who's a stranger feel at home and become a friend, 
That's at work. Maybe it's at your school. Maybe it's at your local coffee shop. I don't know. Practice hospitality one time. And here's a reach goal. If you really want to grow your faith muscles, try it not just once but twice this month. And try to invite somebody over to your house and somebody outside of your normal social circle. Don't invite over your best friend. Look, I did it. Don't do that. (laughs) Invite somebody who's outside of your social circle, maybe outside of our church, maybe outside of faith. Invite them to your house for a meal. Give it a shot. And remember how you have welcomed Jesus into your home. Make sense? Awesome. All right. We're going to pray. We're going to invite the band on up. We're going to respond in prayer and singing with this. So let's go ahead. Let's pray. So I'm just going to invite you to take a moment right now, and as the band's getting into position, I want to invite you, if I told you to recognize God's activity in your life, whether you're already a Christ follower or you're navigating faith, I want you to reflect on just for a moment um, how Jesus has pursued you in his grace, how he got your attention, maybe how he's calling your name. Maybe I always ask you to take a step closer, maybe inviting you to be a friend. Reflect on how maybe he's already done that for you and how he's even doing that now. And where are you in the journey? Jesus, we thank you that you pursue us and you come after us first. Thank you. Thank you. You came to Zacchaeus' rescue and you come to ours. Help us to have eyes to see your name. Amen. Jesus, Lord, I just want to say thank you for the ways that you chased after me and my story, that it was exactly what I needed and you got my attention in beautiful ways and showed me that I needed you and you called my name and invited me to be your friend. And Lord, thank you that 25 years later, it's only getting better every single day with you. Lord, I pray for my friends now. Um, Lord, our simple prayer is that you would open our eyes to see the beautiful ways that you have pursued us like you pursued Zacchaeus. Lord, I bet you went through Jericho just to get him. And you've gone through heaven and hell just to get each of us. Lord, we thank you. We worship you. I want to pray for my friends now. I pray you would touch us with comfort, with peace with your presence and with love, not in a general way, but a specific way that calls each of us by name. It's in your name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Hey, listen, if you need prayer, we talked about some stuff about self-destructive habits. If you need prayer from the either side of the room, come this way before you go that way. Otherwise, go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.